0: Hey, folks, do you want to make more things this year? Join the 2016 Maker Challenge, megamaker.co slash challenge. Who do you want to punch you in the face? This is MegaMaker episode 19. <gasps> Hello, everybody. This is Justin Jackson, and I am back in beautiful Vernon, British Columbia. After a lot of days on the road, I was in Las Vegas, and then from Vegas, I went to Edmonton. It was a great trip, but I am happy to be back in my normal recording studio and back in my normal rhythm, or at least getting closer to being back in my normal rhythm. I thought I would start the show today by explaining some of the tweets I've been tweeting lately. And uh, I find when I travel, because I have so much time to think, I often get these thoughts. And then the best way for me to kind of process them is to just blurt them out on Twitter. Um, I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin on Twitter. And so if you want to see some of these on there, you can go there. Uh, The first one I want to explain is I screenshotted this note I took while I was walking and the note says, you're not a real boxer until you get punched in the face. If you're starting out, you probably want to get punched by an amateur lightweight first as opposed to the heavyweight champion of the world. And a lot of people were confused by that. What the heck are you talking about, Justin? And here's what I was thinking. A lot of folks want to start with a big idea. So they're making something, you know, if they're making electronics, they want to make something big first. If they're making software, they want to make something big first. If they're making a physical object, they want to make something big. They want to have a big impact right out of the gate. The challenge when we make things is that we don't know how people are going to receive them until we put it out into the world. And so the pattern I see is some folks will go into their little creative cave and will work heads down on something for months and months and months, trying to build this big, impressive thing, and then they'll put it out into the world and they won't get the reaction they wanted. People don't like it, or people criticize it, or it doesn't work the way they thought it would, or or people just don't use it the way they thought they would. And what you want right away is the feedback. Feedback is the oxygen you need to create better things and unless you're getting constant feedback, unless you're constantly shipping something, seeing how people like it and then iterating on that original thing, you aren't getting the information you need to make your things better. And so when I say it's better to get punched in the face by a lightweight first, that's what I'm talking about because invariably you're going to release your thing out into the world and it's going to feel like you get punched in the face. And I'd rather have, you know, uh, a real small lightweight punch me in the face than Mike Tyson. This is software month on MegaMaker. We're making a couple web applications. And I'm not trying to create, Marty and I are not trying to create the next Facebook because we don't want a Facebook-sized punch in the face. We wanted to create some small things that we could put out into the world right away and get feedback. So that's an explanation of that weird tweet. The next thought I had is related. Here's the tweet. It says, three techniques for navigating life. Number one, perseverance. Number two, iteration. And number three, knowing when to move on. So this came as a response to, I've just been talking, meeting all sorts of people in Las Vegas and meeting a bunch of people in Edmonton and having all these conversations with people who make things. And one pattern I noticed is that people give up too quickly. There's this great quote from Steve Jobs at the D5 conference back in 2007. People say you, you have to have a lot of passion for what you're doing, and it's totally true. And the reason is, uh, is because it's so hard that if you don't, any rational person would give up. It's really hard, and you have to do it over a sustained period of time. So if you don't love it, if you're not having fun doing it, and you don't really love it. Uh, you're going to give up, and that's what happens to most people. Actually, if you really look at at, at, at the ones that uh, ended up, you know, being successful, unquote, in the eyes of society, and the ones that didn't, oftentimes it, it's the ones that are successful loved what they did so they could persevere. So much of success is about perseverance. Seth Godin talks about this too in The Dip. This idea that everybody goes from a high initially when you're like starting on a project and you're excited about the possibilities, and then you go into the low when you don't get the feedback you were hoping for, you're running out of money, you're, things just aren't working the way you were hoping they would. And that valley of discouragement uh, is what kills most projects. And really, the only way to overcome that is to persevere, to get up every day and go, you know what? I'm just going to take another step forward. I'm just going to try another thing. I'm going to iterate. That was my second point. Instead of banging my head up against the wall, iterate on what I'm doing. Try a different approach. This is uh, Derek Sivers really says it best. We've all heard about the importance of persistence, but I had misunderstood. Success comes from persistently improving and inventing, not persistently doing what's not working. And so that really leads to my last point, which is knowing when to move on. And obviously, actually, in response to this tweet, almost everyone said, man, knowing when to move on is the hardest part. And it is. It's hard to know (laughs) when should I persevere and when should I keep going. And one thing I like about making a hundred things, about launching lots of little small projects, is I can see which ones gain traction faster and which ones gain traction slower. And really, that's what Marty and I are doing this this month is we've launched Network Effects and now we're going to launch Remote Workers Club and we're going to compare and say, which one is better? Which one is a better idea for us to pursue and double down on? All right, let's do one more because it is software month and Marty and I are building two software as a service products. Those are called uh, SaaS, S-A-A-S. And I have a tweet that says, how a SaaS succeeds. Number one, people really, really, really want it. Number two, it's easy to get their credit card. And number three, the software delivers ongoing value. Now, the first two apply to really any product that you're selling. If you're making something and you're hoping to sell it, it has to be something that people want so much that they're willing to reach inside their back pocket, pull out their wallet or go to their purse and pull out their wallet and actually give you money for it. And that, that getting that momentum, getting people to cross that threshold means it has to be something they really want. So don't waste your time making things people don't want. Make stuff people do want. The second point is you want to target an audience that can actually pay for things. And some groups are, it's easier to get them to pay than others. Uh, I used to have a skateboard shop and our biggest problem was that teenagers would come in and would really want the product, but they had no money of their own. They had to go and convince mom or dad to come back to the store with the credit card to make the payment. Well, that adds a lot of uh, barriers between uh, that person and the sale. And so it's better, if you can, to target people that can pay right away. And the final point is if you're going to charge monthly for something, or yearly or quarterly, whatever it is, Make sure that your product gives ongoing value. So every time when people see that charge on their credit card statement, they're going, you know what? I got my money's worth this month. If you've been listening to the show this month, you know my friend Peldi and his company Balsamic Mockups have been sponsoring this entire month. We just did a contest where you could win an hour of Peldy's time. And the winner of that, I'm going to mess up the name, but I'll try, is Maziek Kozal, your underscore MAC on Twitter. You've won an hour with Peldi. We'll get in touch with you via email. Today I wanted to share with you a couple of features of Balsamic you might not know about. First of all, you can easily change the skin from that sketchy look, it kind of looks like you drew it with a Sharpie, to a cleaner, straight line look. Next, you may not know, but you can hold down R, T, or Y, and you can basically draw your UI incredibly fast. For example, hold drag the mouse and a rectangle appears hold T and a block of text appears really really quick and after you've drawn things this way you can then use the new swap control type feature to turn those rectangles and blocks of text into other controls like browser buttons etc so if you are making web mockups this is the fastest way to do it and it doesn't matter if you're a designer product manager a project manager a founder or just somebody with a great idea uh, it makes all of that process of prototyping really fast you can get ten dollars off balsamic mock-ups go to balsamic.com that's balsamic with a q and use the code megamaker ten dollars off all right after all that travel time it's time for a catch-up call with marty Hey. How's it going, Marty? It's going good. How are you? Good. Is this a good time? Yep. Cool, man. Well, this is what this is our catch-up call. This <laughs> this is the call where I say, "Man, travel kicked my ass and I didn't get much done." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it'd be good for us to touch base and kind of talk about where we're at with network effects and remote workers. Yep. So the feedback to network effects is always like people are like, oh, that's really cool. Like you could use that in all sorts of situations. And I'm like, yes, that's the problem (laughs) 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 is that we're trying to nail down who this is for. Yes. Um, Definitely one thing that came out was the ability to do custom onboarding flows or custom drip campaigns when people do the initial the initial text message. Right. So I'll jump in here quick to say we talked for quite a bit about network effects, mostly about what do we need to build right away so that our trial users uh, get value out of the, the product. We have about eight to 10 people that have paid the $9 to participate in the trial. And they just need a few more things in order to get a lot of use out of network effects. But we're definitely starting to see a trend in that most of them are community managers. They run online membership sites, online communities, or you know, things like uh, local meetup groups, things like that. Um, whoa, we just got another payment while I was talking to you. What? Really? Yeah. Anyway, I'll look at that later. Okay, so let's move on to remote workers. What's, uh, what's the update with remote workers? Uh, I started doing stuff with it one thing i got to figure out is how to deploy it to that droplet. Okay. And changes, because I'm just making changes locally. Just for the podcast, for listeners that don't know, we were using an open source project called... Is it called One Body or One Church? One Body, I think. Super creepy name. <laughs> <laughs> so they built... It's church.io, and they built a free church directory and social networking software for churches. But it's like basically exactly what we need for remote workers. Uh, And so we read the license, and as long as we keep the source code open source, we can use it. Yep. And so that's part of what we're thinking, is that this is a great way for us to start small and start now. And... Yeah, I, I don't see there being a big deal with us having the, our source code open source, do you? No, I think it's fine. I mean, the the value proposition isn't really just the membership part it, it's the service, right? Yeah. So I don't see that as being a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, and, the, and our, really what we're bringing to the table is what we know, who we know, and who knows us. Exactly. So as you can see, there are challenges with running two software projects at the same time, but the value that we're going to get and the value you're going to get as a listener is the comparison. What's it like having both going at the same time and which one picks up more traction? Before I go, I want to let you know about a great new Mega Maker patron. It's called Creation Crate. And it allows you to get a new electronics project every month. It'll have everything you need in the box to make something cool. You can find out more by going to mycreationcrate.com or reach out to them on Twitter, Creation Crate. Let them know I sent you. If you want to check me out on Twitter, I'm the letter M, the letter I, and Justin. And don't forget to go to Balsamic.com. And use the coupon code MEGAMAKER for $10 off. As always, the show notes for this episode are at megamaker.co slash 19. That's it. We'll see you on Saturday's episode. Oh, yeah. Volleyball. And I think Lauren and I are both going to try to come. Hopefully. You better show up or we'll, we'll be missing a player. Oh, actually, no pressure, but it all rests on your shoulders. <laughs> you really need us to play volleyball. Is that, <laughs> this is like a good picture of our relationship. I'm always like, okay, what are we going to like get, move forward on the software? And you're like... <laughs> Make sure we show you show up to volleyball. <laughs> Forget about the software, man. <laughs> That's what's really, it's all about the game. Exactly. Cool, dude. Well, have a good day, man. Yeah, you too. See you tonight. See ya. Bye.